All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bit of a different flair to start episode 191 of the Real Life Podcast. If you don't recognize that song, you should because it's a Brett Kissel classic, one of his most streamed songs on Spotify. He's going to be joining us in about 10 minutes. Welcome into the pod. I'm Tyler Uremchuk. Bag Milk's joining me. Jay's joining me. Chalmers joining me as well. And we'll have uh, St. Paul product and country music star Brett Kissel joining us, like I said, in just a few minutes. We were uh, we were riffing before we started recording. There is a lot we need to get to with him. I started with like a basic list of like six topics. And then Bag Milk, you were reminding me. You're like, oh man, the Eberly video, his wedding, the April Fool's Day joke. Like, this guy is ingrained in Oilers Nation. Yeah, I mean, like, we, whether he likes it or not, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to loop Brett Kissel into all of our stuff. And I'm looking forward to asking him about it because, as an example, like the April Fool's Day joke, he steered right into the storm on that one, retweeting it, being like, I can't believe this didn't get announced anywhere else. It was something like that. <laughs> and uh, he didn't know it was coming. We just kind of did it. For fun like we always do and he was a great sport about it uh he did an he did an anniversary video for us at one time um massive oilers fan just go through his social media so i'm excited to talk to him jay uh we have a little bit of housekeeping to do there's a few big topics but before we started recording you were out at the famous donair celebration party thing uh, tell us what you were doing today <laughs> party thing Jeez, victory party this famous donair one that don't the now infamous Nation Don't Air Bracket 2020. Uh, so we uh, the, we wanted to give the winner of this prestigious uh, bracket its it due and its attention that it deserves. So 
we partnered with Sherwood Ford, and the first 100 people who showed up today uh, got a free Donaire. Uh, and Sherwood Ford, Sherwood Ford was handing out GCs to anyone who was wearing nation gear. Uh, we had a little pop-up shop, and then we awarded a plaque to Nick, the owner. He, he and his staff were all wearing, and I'm, I've got it right here, we are the champions tees. Uh, you know, they took it serious, which is what you want from a champion. So very, very good uh, winner that we have with Famous. It was crazy. I got there at 20 to 12, and there were probably already 30 people in line. Uh, we went through 100 donairs in like 40 minutes, like, and Nick had, had like a well-oiled machine out there. So super cool to see. He had a special cake made. I sent Bagma a photo to post for it. We had a little bit of champagne or uh, wine uh, to celebrate. And it was just, it was just neat because this just came out of like a nation happy hour where we're just talking about donairs and everyone's chiming in. Uh, and then we turned it into a bracket and then became this like two month project. Uh, so it's kind of neat to kind of see it in reality and see all these people come out and support it. And uh, people are already ripping me about, you know, their shop's going to win next year, which is what I like to hear. Uh, so, and a great day for it. So, and all any, nation all, right, any nation regulars show up for some donut for the free donair? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, well, of course. Any notables? Oh, I imagine uh, Surveyor has- Brett was there. Yeah, so he, he was working out in the West End today, so he couldn't come all the way up to Sherwood Park, so he went to uh, support Mamas today for lunch uh, as a proxy. Not a good man. And Chalmers... Um, how, is the, how is the Donair, though, Jay? Like, what are we talking about? I saw you had well, one. It, it was good. It was good. So I did a... Uh, it's, been a it's been a long time since I did one, so I did a brief nation uh, review. So because they won the bracket, you have to say for 2020, they're this year's 97 out of 97. Uh, but great Donair. I really like uh, Famous' sauce. Uh, their sweet sauce, I don't know what it is. Uh, slightly different, good flavor. Uh, but yeah, I know it's good Donair. So I had a tailgate Donair out in 24 degree heat, and it was amazing. But most, inc- most important question, because our favorite Donair shop, Mama, used to do this. When you get a Donair, will they give you the bottle? So, uh, the bottle my- of sweet sauce? I've the never asked. Sweet sauce. She used to oh, give yeah, us a big, cool. like, you know, the red ketchup that you'd get yeah, at, like, some yeah, yeah. old, old yeah. restaurants? She fills those with, like, obviously they're clear, but with sweet sauce. She'll give you the whole bottle. She's got about 20 back there. She'll give you the whole damn Oh, thing. yeah. It was, yeah, it was part, it was part of the Mama Donair culture. So, it's yeah. like, there'd be just, like, 20 bottles out at any given moment after the bar. Because uh, you'd always just want extra sauce. I'm sure Nick I, would do it. He does. I guess COVID's making that already. difficult. But yeah, well, exactly. So I'm sure if you ask, he would do it in a non-pandemic situation. Chalmers, we didn't have you uh, on the pod on Monday, but since you're the resident dad, I wanted to ask you uh, how your Father's Day was. What did you get up to in the COVID Father's Day? Well, you know what? I got exactly what I wanted, and that is to be left alone. Um, (laughs) Pretty much. So... So my brother-in-law, he we kind of have a tradition where we play golf with uh, with our with my with my dad, his father-in-law, um, and then you know either his stepdad or my brother would come. Um, and this year, I just I for some reason my, my dad's not uh, like in the best of health right now to go golfing with a knee kind of a knee injury. So uh, I knew the day was going to be kind of shitty, and I to be honest with you, just didn't want to do anything. So when it got raining and it was nothing to do. Um, I woke up late, about nine o'clock. We went to my favorite restaurant for breakfast, which is Muggins in Collingwood. Uh, we had breakfast. I went back home and I shut her down for about two hours. 
on the couch and uh, woke up and just kind of did nothing, man. Watched some golf and it was perfect. And then later on that night, we went out. Uh, we went to my brother-in-law's for dinner, and that's when I got to see my dad. And you know, it's it, it's pretty much you know, as a father with a six and a nine-year-old, especially with them being out of school for the last three months, I just you know. A, a nice day where you don't feel bad for doing absolutely nothing. That's exactly what I wanted, and that's exactly what I got. That is biggest takeaway totally from fair. this story, Chalmers, is that we go to the same breakfast places. Yeah, you love muggins too, eh? It's, it's the best. It's solid and it's cheap. So here's the story about muggins. Muggins is the magnet. It is the best because it's the only. That's true. <laughs> it used to be called Ginger's, and my parents used to go there, and they used to take me for dinner there. Um, it used to be just kind of like a, you know, kind of like a hat hungry house, you know, type of thing. Um, where, but then it burnt down. It actually caught on fire, and uh, now it's beautiful. We, I've been going there so long. We used to go there every Sunday for breakfast, and you know, in construction, there's a lot of times where you go for breakfast in the morning, and um, we used to go there all the time. I used to go there so much that me and my wife had our very own server in the lounge there every Sunday. She was always working. She became a friend. We, we took, when we got engaged, we went around the city and took engagement photos as one does. We went there and took engagement photos there with Muggins menus and stuff, just because it was like our place. Yeah, it was great. And then the funny thing is, is we all of a sudden just stopped going into the lounge. And we started going into the restaurant. She thought we just never came anymore. One day she walked in the, the restaurant and realized, because we had a child, we had to sit in the restaurant. <laughs> so now we were going there every weekend with our son. And uh, it's just like a family place. You recognize everybody and it's, you know, they do a great job. The last time I was there, it was before all the shenanigans happened. But I got good and banged up on a Sunday because they got Caesar specials on Sunday. And then you get that little confidence as you look in the back corner there and you go for a couple of the spins BLT. on the VLTs. Oh, God. You got to do a couple of spins. My, my, my pre-kids and post-kids Muggins experiences are very, very different. Sunday <laughs> used to be pint of Bud Light, breakfast, pint of Bud Light, home for a nap. Now with the kids, it's like iced tea. Gonna go for a bike ride afterwards, you know, in the restaurant. Who spins on the VL at about eleven o'clock back before kids? Yeah, kind of miss those days to be honest. Life and times. Uh, yeah. Guys, I think it's uh, time to bring in our guest for the week, Brett Kissel. Holy shit! Yeah, no, I'm I, fucking nervous. I just had That's to wipe sweat deal. off my microphone. It was I disgusting. God. Before I bring him onto the call, though, you know I got to give some love to the fine folks over at Jappa Machinery Group. Check them out online, jappamachinery.com, on Instagram, Twitter, at Jappa Equipment. They're located in Atchison. They are local. They are proud to be local, and I know our next guest is as well. He's a product of St. Paul, Alberta, and he is a country music star. He has number one <laughs> songs, number one albums. He's one of the most recognizable Oilers fans on the planet. Brett Kissel joining the Real Life Podcast. Brett, how's it going, man? Awesome. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Thank you for letting me talk about Oilers hockey. Uh, yeah, it's really, really great to be here. Uh, one thing for the listeners who are obviously don't get to see the video right now, Brett answered the phone with no shirt on in solidarity, bagged milk, also going shirtless for the remainder of the podcast. Just thought everyone would want the visual of that. Uh, Brett, we're going to get into hockey questions. We're going to get into your career, all of that stuff. But first, I want to talk a little bit about something really cool you've been doing over the last few weeks, the Live at the Drive-In presented by Safeway here in Edmonton. 
Uh, just take us through a little bit how that idea came up and what it was like to be out there on a stage looking at hundreds of cars instead of just hundreds of faces. Yeah, it was it was an extraordinary event when, when we did it a few weekends ago. First things first, like I, I got a text from a friend of mine. We were having a driveway beer and he said, you know what? I see what's going on in Europe right now. There's a guy who did a drive-in concert and he's like, Albertans just want to get out of the house and and I think if there's anybody who's going to do it, it's going to be you. And so I was really inspired by by that. It's at about 11 p.m. on, when was it? Uh, well, it was 28 days from June 12th. I, I called my, ma- my manager, my agent, my record label, and they're all in Ontario. So I called the president of my label at 1 in the morning, and he picked up, and he knows that I've got crazy ideas all the time. And so everybody picked up, and we had an 11 p.m. conference call where I said, all right, everybody, we're going to do a drive-in concert. It's going to be in Edmonton. It'll be a fundraiser for the food bank. And I just spewed out all this information, and they're all like, we're in. But let us get to sleep, and we'll talk about it tomorrow. <laughs> so that's exactly what we did, and we had a plan in place within 24 hours. We had tickets on sale within a week. We had a sponsor with Safeway Canada within a week, and we made history. It was the first drive-in event that's ever happened in Canada. And uh, it was only the third one that ever happened in the world. And I'm really proud that we were able to do it in Edmonton. Very cool. Was there ever a moment through all that? Like you mentioned, you threw it together so quickly. One in the morning phone calls. Was there ever a moment through it where you thought, like, shit, this might not be able to work? Or did it actually go, like, as smoothly as you make it sound? It it ended up going really smoothly. But there's no denying that I I had a lot of fear and, and a lot of doubt because, you want it to work out. You want it to have a great impact for your charity. You want it to have a great impact on the community. The biggest thing I wanted to accomplish was raise the spirits of Albertans and also have an opportunity for this thing to go across Canada. But that's what you wish for. The whether or not this happens or not is completely up to the public. And we, I think I'm very lucky that everybody really bid into this project. And when we put tickets on sale, um, it went from, oh my, oh my God, sold out the first show in in five minutes or under five minutes. And then we did eight shows within an hour, which was extraordinary and unlike anything I've ever been through. The one thing I for like is, that, oh, sorry, you go, you go ahead, Big Milk. For a guy, like you perform in front of audiences all the time. Obviously, that's what you do for a living. And there's a whole, I'm a guy that loves live music. I love going to concerts. I love the sing-alongs, all of that. But from your perspective, from the stage, what was it like to look out at a completely different experience than you've ever had before? It, it was it was wild. There's, there's no denying that. And for me, as an artist, the biggest thing that I try to kind of channel, I'll call it like my inner Garth Brooks. I guess. Hold it. Is that an actual Oilers custom suit? Oh, yeah. Jay, oh, show the truck. Yeah. Welcome to the nation truck. Holy Toledo, that that's nicer than that looks better in real life than it uh, even does on photos. Oh yeah, it's uh, it's more popular than any member of the nation. So uh, we're very proud of it. Our friends at Sherwood Ford did a great job decking this thing out. It, it, it represents us so well. Well, no kidding. Like, and when the Oilers are back in the playoffs, that thing's gonna be going up and down White Avenue, and I can just see a giant oil derrick maybe in the back or something like that. Hey, when, when we win the Stanley Cup, I'll, I'll stand in the back of it for the break. Hell yeah. Well, you can perform live out of the back. I'll happily uh, drive you around. 
Tang, you, McDavid, and the cup in the back with a guitar. Oh, I can see God. it. Oh, I'm losing my shit. So back, so to, I gotta, back to everybody, you know, being in vehicles, I, I feel like I had to do what my hero, Garth Brooks, would have done. And that big thing was have a conversation with the crowd to let them know that we are a part of history today. We are doing something that is extremely unique and a once in a life all of us. And you're all confined to your vehicle. So what you need to do, everybody, is you need to give me as much energy, twice as much energy, four times as much energy as you put as a real concert. And I promise you that I'm going to give you 10 times more energy from my stage. So we just had to deliver that. So was it awkward? The first couple of songs it was. Was it weird? Absolutely. Would I prefer a real concert? In a lot of ways, yes. But we did make history and we had an incredible um, connection between me and 200 vehicles over eight shows as people were partying through their sunroofs and, you know, uh, at the back of their tailgates. So instead of a round of applause, were you greeted by a horns, horns honking? Is that how they showed their appreciation after every song? Absolutely. That's exactly what it was. And it was, oh, I love it. It was extraordinary. You've got hundreds of vehicles honking their horns. It was, it, it, like, it was way louder, you know, 200 cars per show, which is all the government allowed us to do. It was way louder hearing those honking horns than it probably would have been 10,000 people. And so did you have to, up, like, uh, like overdo your, your sound system? How did you make sure that it was going to project to as far as the furthest car was going to be? Well, it's interesting. We actually broadcast through a radio frequency. There was no sound hanging out. I was wondering. I was. I thought. I, I thought I was going. If I asked that question, it was going to be a stupid question. But just like <laughs> back in the old, when they had the drive-in movie theaters, you actually had the frequency going right into people's radios. Exactly. So we actually brought a mobile uh, studio with us. Basically, what you would have for an award show when an artist plays on stage and they go into a, like their soundboard and the soundboard to an FM transmitter or a broadcast truck. And then it goes to everybody's TVs. Well, we did it to an FM frequency and it went to everybody's vehicles. So it was like pristine, absolutely perfect sound. And our, and that, that's, that's how we did it. But we borrowed the big screen from the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh. That was everybody like a giant looking show. There was that photo uh, on the night that it was raining, uh, uh, and the photo was taken from behind you, looking out to all the cars, and you see all the headlights. It was because it was at nighttime. It looked unreal. Yeah, it really was. That was a great memory for me and for my band, where we all talked about it right after the show, that we're so grateful that we actually got to play in the rain and in that giant storm, and everybody stayed. It just made a more incredible memory. And people still, like I'm talking, well, you guys remember that weekend. It was a torrential downpour. And we still had people standing out of their sunroofs and people partying in their pickup trucks. That's awesome, man. We need to get you a banner up at Rogers Place now. But. <laughs> well, when I do play my show at Rogers, I, uh, I, it'll be the, the best homecoming, the biggest show of my life when uh, – and we were going to do that this fall before COVID-19. We were going to announce on Valentine's Day my first show ever at Rogers Place. But we'll have to wait till 2021 or maybe uh, Q1 of 22. Looking through, like, just the way you talk about loving performing in front of Albertans, you know, being at Rogers Place, what a big show that'll be for you. Doing this uh, drive-in series with the charity aspect as well. Like, I'm reading through your awards right now. 
it looks like every year you're nominated for a Fans' Choice Award as well. How much pride do you take in sort of like giving back and being a part of the local scene? That's a great question. I, I feel that it's very, very important to let everybody know locally, but more importantly, let everybody know internationally that I'm a very proud Canadian. I'm a very proud Albertan. And I'm a guy who grew up in northeastern Alberta, a couple hours outside of Edmonton on a cattle ranch. I love the farming and ranching whale life. I love the country and I love the Oilers. And I think that when you've got somebody, like I'm taking a page out of the book of, of guys like George Strait, like everybody knows George Strait is Texas. He is the king of country music. He loves Texas. He loves rodeo and Texas loves George Strait. Well, there's not a lot of people in Canada and I'm not going to like call them out in a negative way. I'm just saying I choose to do it differently. A lot of Canadians will move to Nashville, even the way that I've moved to Nashville, and I've got a home there, and I've got a life in, in, in Tennessee, but they'll move to Nashville and instantly become an American. And I'm like, I'm an American. I'm a country guy. I'm from Nashville. And I'm like, no, you're not. You like, I know you. Like Two years ago, we did a show together up in northern Alberta or in southern Alberta or out in Rocky Mountain House, and now, now like, what? All of a sudden, you're, a, you're an American with a, with a draw? And I'm thinking to myself, like, no, 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 I'm from Canada. I love hockey. I'm not going to write songs about the NFL or playing football in high school because I didn't do that. I, I, you know, we, we would, we would curl and we would go in and ice fish. Like, that's who I am. And, and I'm very proud of my, my local roots. I love that. That's super cool. So. Speaking of great questions that uh, that uh, your M Chuck just had, oh, yeah, thank you. I am a <laughs> yeah, I am a huge country fan, and the reason uh, my my mom grew up in Smoky Lake, I we always go out to Gibbons to the old ranch. So you probably had pretty much the same upbringing with your family as I did, where they would put on like a ton of the old classics. Oh yeah. Now this is where the great question part comes in. Have you ever late night been up at two in the morning coming home from the bar and stumbled upon the Time Life Country Classics infomercial with Kenny Rogers and Lorraine Cook. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's not the greatest 30 minutes you've ever seen in your whole life. You get to hear some some Charlie Pride with, the, you know, Kiss an Angel, Good Morning. You get some Delta Dawn. Like, does that okay. not take you back to when you were a kid and your mom was cleaning the house and <laughs> the classics were on? Yeah, it's, it's unreal. I love traditional country music so much that I've got a record collection. Like in Nashville, I, I swear I've probably got maybe 3,000 records. But here in, um, I'll show you, like here I've got like a whole pile of records. Um, and, uh, and and I just, I keep collecting them. And I've got that Time, la uh, time Life 150 songs. Um, like I, I've got them all. Every classic country compilation, I've got it. And that's my real passion. Whereas my big brother, Jameson, has like every... Oilers memorabilia you can think of. The way my basement is all country music and and real good whiskeys and vodkas. My brother's is everything to do with Oilers, and and he's uh, he's a big fan of uh, of Don Cherry. So he's got like every Rock'em Sock'em. Uh, some of them are still like everyone is still in the plastic. My mom would and dad would buy my brother a Rock'em Sock'em, two of them. One he could watch, and one he kept in the plastic. Wow. And he's got signed jerseys of. Of so many Oilers. I, my brother and I did an inventory, and I think we have 60 Oilers jerseys that we've just bought at silent auctions or 
with our Oilers Bucks, the season ticket holders, and like great ones like that I love, like Rolison and Pisani and Bill Ranford and Esetikinen and Paul Coffey and, and Gretzky and stuff like that. And then other ones that we're thinking, what were we thinking? Like Patrick O'Sullivan and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't know. Uh, we've got a, we've got a Yoni Pitkin in. Uh, pardon me. You have an Ulanoff though. Uh, yeah. Number 55 in the third, in the third Jersey. That was oh, yeah. Respect. But, Respect. Uh, I love yeah. We had open up a museum. Oh yeah. I, we got a Yaroslav Svatek from 2006. That's a good one. Like, that way we would only wear we would wear a different Euler jersey every game. I love my Matthew Garon jersey. Oh, um, wow. I got like and then and then as you get to know some of the guys on the team, I uh I, I love wearing wearing those and sometimes getting picked on when I'm wearing a Nooch jersey and Leon is gonna be like WTF man. So then I wear a Leon the next time and then Darnell Nurse is like WTF man. So I have to rotate my uh my jerseys of my friends. Did you and your brother, since since he's a memorabilia guy, did you see the auction on the Connor rookie card that just happened a week or two ago? Finished up at one hundred and thirty-five grand US. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. That's uh, that's that's out of our price range. And my brother works for the my brother works for the government, and I'm unemployed right now. So uh, yeah, that's that that's tough. I whoever got it, good good for you, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd spend probably, 135 grand. Maybe on something probably for Todd, Probably Todd McFarlane. That guy buys every little yeah, sports does. memorabilia you can that has anything to do with Edmonton. Yeah, did you know Todd McFarlane is actually, um, he's my third cousin. Really? Get out Whoa. of here. No, yeah, no so his, his mom's uh, maiden name was Denenko, and um, my my uh, my grandfather... His mother's maiden name was the Denenko. So the way we go down the family tree is that my mom and Todd would be uh, would be second cousins. So I don't know if Todd's got like I've never met him, but I know that I know that we're related and we've tweeted back and forth a couple times. But that's it. So you could actually you could actually ask him this question for me then because I have it in my mind with all with the recent thirty for thirty that just came out. It, we know that he was the one that spent over three million dollars on the set on the the baseball number uh, home run 68, 69, and seventy. Yeah. And now they're worth like a combined three hundred thousand dollars. How does <laughs> does he care? <laughs> How would that make somebody feel? I guess I, I, don't, I don't think know, at that level you care. I, I don't think at that level you care. I think that's a good story to share with your rich friend. I think it. I love it. I think he is the balls of steel to buy all those balls yeah. at that time. Just yeah. amazing. I think it's great. I do think that that's funny, but that is one of those stories that whoever's in his circle that they could talk about. Oh, the fun investments that made them a killing and the fun investments that uh, well, <laughs> didn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Brett, so as... to kind of go back to your story, you're yeah, right, you go, go back you go. to your career. Yeah, because I, I trust me, we're going to get on the Oilers train and we are going to go deep and we're going to have a blast. But I think it's, I like, we, I like uh, with the podcast, we like to like hear the story of the come up. Uh, who is your inspiration to get into country music and to kind of pursue a career in it? It's kind of a three a three pronged answer, I guess. You know, there's the personal side, which you know, my my grandpa, my grandpa Ron, uh, Grandpa Bear, we call him. Uh, he's 81 and a big influence uh, on my life. Actually, if, if my wife and I married each other again, and we had, notice how I said that. If I got remarried, but to her again, it would be my grandpa would be probably my best man. 
because he's just a great support, a beauty of a guy. Um, and he loves traditional country music. So he was the, the guy that I'd sit on his lap on the tractor as we'd be, you know, bailing hay or out, you know, fencing or whatever. And we'd be singing all these songs. I mean, he had a very good voice, although, you know, he's never a professional and never sang publicly, but a huge influence. So I always wanted to sing classic country music for him so that I could impress him, you know, and, and, uh, and I'm very glad I was able to play traditional country for him. Then, then there were local artists um, and kind of Canadian artists that really took me under their wing. Um, for example, a great Edmonton guy named Danny Hooper. Danny Hooper was a big influence for me. Um, he invited me to do a bunch of shows with him. He was like the quintessential Western Canadian country star who would play everywhere, you know, hosted Big Valley Jamboree, was a, a comedian, a, a, an MC, a, a host, and, and uh, an auctioneer. And I wanted to be just like him. So he really, really, really uh, helped me out when I was 12, 13, 14, 15, as well as a guy named Bob Stedward. So Bob Stedward, Dr. Bob Stedward, um, he was the, he and Randy Gregg, a great old oiler, are, are very good friends. And they started the, the Randy Gregg Clinic um, back in the late 80s. And then also Bob was the, uh, in the 80s, throughout the cup run, he was the sports psychologist for the team. So he offered a lot of sports psychology methods to me as I was coming up as a teen about mental toughness, writing down my goals, working my ass off to achieve what I wanted to achieve. It just, my sport was country music. And then the third aspect are the guys that you listen to on the radio and you want to be like George Strait, Garth Brooks, and then one of the greatest of all time is Johnny Cash. And so I love the man in black and I, and those were three guys that I learned as much as I could watching every documentary I possibly could. And I've been able to meet George Strait and spend a lot of time now over the last several years with guards. And I never met Johnny Cash, but um, I love those guys. So I, I heard a story, and by heard, I mean I went online and read a story about you writing a letter to Johnny Cash after um, June Carter Cash passed away. Yeah, and and kind of I'll, I'm just gonna tee it up because it's your story to tell. Well, I'll, I'll I'm I was just gonna getting a call there. Sorry about that. I I'll tell you this. It is it is my I don't know. I feel that Johnny Cash in some ways has had his hands on my shoulders, um, guiding me through you know tough times, and and it's been there from the beginning. I've loved his music since I was a little kid. You know, singing his songs on my grandpa's knee, and when June passed away. I wrote him a letter to the Johnny Cash Fan Club, um, Johnny Cash Fan Club uh, in Hendersonville, Tennessee, on the back of one of my grandparents' records. And so I wrote my condolences, and that was it. Like, it was probably two pages of how much I love you, and, and I'm so sorry for your loss. And then I forgot about it, to be honest. In the meantime, between when she passed away in May 23rd of 2003, and when he passed away on September 12th, 2003, I made my very first recording called Keeping It Kissel. And it was a cassette tape, and I did a bunch of Johnny Cash songs. And I was going to release this recording with a big party in Glendon, Alberta. And put in perspective, I didn't have to go to school that day because I had a big concert to prepare for. My mom woke me up in the morning. She says, I've got great news. And the great news is that your concert has sold out. The bad news is, is that Johnny Cash passed away today or this morning i remember crying and crying and crying and 
and then, and that was it. And I, I knew I was going to wear all black. You know, it's the biggest news in the world. Johnny Cash had died. And so as I'm preparing for my concert, my dad, who's a, my dad who's a school teacher, he, he came home and brought a stack of mail of envelopes and cards from cousins and aunts and uncles from all over Canada saying, congratulations, Brett. And one big yellow envelope. And inside that big yellow envelope was a signed picture and a letter from Johnny Cash to me that said, True Brett, Jesus first, Johnny Cash, and all the best in your career, and I'll be thinking about you and everything. And I got that on Friday, September 12th, the day that he died. So I don't know if he signed that three months ago. I don't know if he signed that two days before he died, but I've got it, and it's my most prized possession, and I look at it all the time. That's so cool. That gave me chills. Yeah, fun fact about Johnny Cash. Did you know that the song The Gambler was actually written and performed by Johnny Cash, and then somebody somebody just didn't think it sounded good, so that's when they gave it to Kenny Rogers, and then Kenny Rogers became a huge hit? Is that exactly how it goes? It's, it's very close. So I've heard that the original pitch was to Johnny Cash. The song was written by Don Schlitz, who's, who's written Forever and Ever, Amen, and, yeah. and so many giant hits. Randy. And the thing about it is that Johnny Cash apparently just didn't feel that the song would be successful. So that's like the Todd McFarlane buying those baseballs. <laughs> and Johnny Cash saying, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I, am, I am an absolute sucker for those old stories. Which brings me I, to my next question for you. Have you ever watched the Mike Judge docu- um, series on Netflix called Tales from the Tour Bus? Uh, yes, I have. And I love them. That's my favorite thing to watch on, on the flight. And they're so funny. Like Anybody that has never seen these is the guy that did um, King of the Hill. And he does Tales from the Tour Bus. Tour bus and he gets all these people to tell stories about, um, like, there's one on Johnny Cash. There's one on uh, Waylon Jennings. There's one on Willie Nelson. George and there's Jones. one on Johnny, Johnny Page Jones. And so, but he does them in cartoon fashion. And the stories that these guys tell... Are these like you think that some rock stars like Motley Crue did some crazy shit? These guys were nuts. It was amazing. Oh yeah, there's a, a funny story um, about the guys like um, like Waylon, Willie, uh, Christopherson, and Cash would go. They they go for go for lunch and they would go to, to Deja Vu, which is the strip club on Music Row. And that's where if you couldn't find them or they didn't make an appointment, you know that that's where they were. Or Johnny Cash <laughs> Jennings always had pills in his glove compartment. And Johnny was itching in the late 60s, or early 70s for some pills. So he broke into Waylon Jennings' car outside Waylon's <laughs> office and smashed it with a tire iron so that he could access some pills. And Waylon came out with a loaded Colt 45 and was going to be like, Hey, who's breaking in? It's like, oh, Cash, it's you. What the hell? And one of my favorite stories is Chris Christopherson, who's part of the Highwaymen with Johnny Cash, was just out of the service and was starting to write country songs. But he was also a janitor at um, RCA Records where and Columbia Records where Cash was, but he could never get a meeting with Cash. So finally, after about a year of trying to get some songs to Johnny Cash, may have heard this story, but he talked to his old army buddy at, um, at, a, at an uh, Air Force base in Kentucky, and uh, Chris Christopherson was a pilot. 
So Chris Christopherson borrows a 1960s Vietnam um, Vietnam helicopter, lands it in Johnny Cash's yard in Old Hickory, right off of the lake, and walks out a tape to Johnny Cash and says, my name is Chris Christopherson. Sorry to startle you in June, but I've got a couple songs that I think you're going to love. And Johnny said, anybody's going to go through these lanes, come on in for a coffee and let's have a listen. And the song that, that he played was a song called Sunday Morning Coming Down. And Johnny recorded that song within a week and played it live on the Johnny Cash show on ABC about a week later after uh, Chris Christopherson takes a helicopter and lands it in Johnny's yard. Wow. Incredible. Is there is there any chance you could but just come to my house every weekend on a Saturday night and we could sit around a fire? You can just tell me every single story like this that you know. I am like I said, yeah. the biggest sucker for this Absolutely. stuff. That is amazing, man. I love the highwayman. I love everything those guys did. Well, yeah, I'm unemployed. I've got nothing to do. I've got no <laughs> I love it. I love it. So so okay. Last question about country. I know you guys want to talk about Oilers, but we got a country star on here. I'm talking country music. Oh, we got it. You got it. We got it. Country. I. I me and my one friend, we just just like sing at the top of our lungs from about midnight to four in the morning, listening to the country. Now, when you, we all know that George Strait is the, the the king, and he's my mom's favorite. She would leave my dad for him tomorrow. He's the greatest. But now that Johnny, you said Johnny Cash feels like an angel on your shoulder, but of the rest of the guys out there, Randy Travis, like Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, who's your who? If you're going on a Saturday night and you just want to hear the classics at a fire, who are you putting on? Well, for me, it, it's George Strait. I mean, when you've got 60 number ones, which, I mean, he's got 20 more number ones than the Beatles. I mean, it's, it's extraordinary. He's the king for a reason. And, uh, and I, like, I absolutely adore all of his hits. And then the thing about it, you gotta, you gotta put this into perspective. Um, George Strait not only has 60 number ones, but what about all the other giant hits? that didn't make it to number one, but made it to number two, three, or four, like Amarillo by Morning, everybody two-stepped to that at a small-town rodeo. That was never a number one for George Strait. That song was a number four for George Strait, and that's still a massive hit. So George Strait has 30 top 10 hits on top of his 60 number ones. That's 90 singles over the course of his 40-year career that have made it into the top 10. So... It, like a campfire from midnight to four in the morning, we wouldn't even make it past the first 25 number one no. in my guitar. Yeah. Straight, so. We wouldn't. And it, yeah. so it, is it weird that have you, have you seen the forever country that they did at the CMT awards three years ago? They did yeah. the forever country where they all say, is it weird that that makes me tear up every time I listen to it? Not at all. It makes me tear up too. And especially hits me when Dolly comes in at the very end. Cause like just, she's, the best right? like okay i'm enough that's enough no I, no, no. i i, I, I completely so i completely agree with you and that uh, anybody who loves country music and you know who loves loves sports and hockey like the reality is is that anybody who loves the genre or anybody who loves the sport you're often you often gravitate towards the giant superstars and like it's hard for me not to get teary-eyed when i'm watching you know back in the day aquila productions would do an epic Gretzky thing or now I'm watching old highlights of Gretzky you know 50 and 39 like those are gigantic moments that you can't help but get super excited about the same way that you you do or I do when you're watching that forever country so I know exactly what you're saying well it's like watching the opening of the 06 game seven 
the montage with, yeah. with and I'm sorry I'm going to say it, the Nickelback song. Great Alberta product, but not country music. But th- that, that jo- nobody ever said it was. Any, I didn't say it was. Anytime <laughs> wow. I watch that, I get chills, and it's a moment that's kind of stuck with me in time, and I'll get yeah. emotional every time that's connected to sports. But something I wanted to ask, sorry, Bagmouth, and it's a question we normally ask whenever we have like, a, well, a, a, whether it be a, a hockey player or a country star like you, uh, in the come up, was there a point in time where you're like shit, I think I'm going to make a career of this. And when was that? At what point? You know what? I, I'll, I'll kind of reverse it and say that there was never a point where I didn't think that this is what I wanted to do or I was going to do this. It was from the time I got my first guitar, I was about to turn seven. Even though I didn't understand that it was a career, I wanted to play music. And then once it goes from hobby to really great pastime, and then it goes from pastime to, oh, you know what? Everyone locally is kind of digging what I'm doing. And then you become a real, like kind of a name within the St. Paul area. And then all of a sudden you graduate and you start playing around Edmonton. And then people in Calgary and, 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 and Red Deer and Grand Prairie start seeing you. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this is really cool. I can really travel across Alberta. And then all of a sudden you're playing in Saskatoon and Kamloops and Kelowna and Williams Lake in Vancouver, and then all of a sudden you're playing in Winnipeg and Toronto, and then from Toronto you're starting to play in the United States, and from the United States you're playing around the world. There was never a moment in time where anyone in my circle ever thought, no, you know, Brett's good at country music, but I bet you he's going to be a farmer, or I, I bet you Brett's going to go into sales or something like that. It's like, no, I was only ever going to play country music, and country music is all I'll ever do. Looking back on those early moments, was there like, can you kind of think of the first couple of tunes you started to play when you first got your guitar? Yeah. Um, Kiss an Angel Good Morning by Charlie Pride. God, my favorite song. The Tennessee Flat Top Box by Johnny Cash. Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash. Folsom Prison, Johnny Cash. And then a real fun one by a great Canadian named Hank Snow. And the song's called I've Been Everywhere, Man, I've Been Everywhere. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was like a signature song for me because as a 10-year-old, playing to at a rodeo singing i've been everywhere everybody's like kids 10 and he memorized a million different places it was a it was a really cool thing and it's a song i actually i still sing to this day for fun you uh you rattled off your come up there of going from local in saint paul to alberta to western canada canada usa the world was there a moment in there where you kind of felt yourself go from like just really good you want to make this career to thinking like man, I'm just not going to make this a career. Like, I'm going to be a star. Was there one moment that really, like, made you step back and go, like, this is insane that I'm doing this? It's, it's no, it's, it's all about looking back now yeah. and understanding that, okay, that was a real turning point for me. Whereas when you're in the moment, you don't, you don't think that. You know, I, I got a nomination in 2006 for the Canadian Country Music Awards for Rising Star. Um, I was the youngest ever to get a nomination at the CCMAs. And I thought, well, that's really cool. But I still had gigs to play. And I still had fence to fix and cows to chase and, and you move on. But now, you know, now that I'm 30 and I look back, okay, well, 14 years ago, I was the youngest ever and I still have that title. Huh, I guess that was a really cool moment. Or I played Big Valley Jamboree also in 2006 uh, as a 16-year-old. And I was the first guy up. And everybody knows that at one in the afternoon, everybody's still sleeping off the night before. Nobody's even waking up till four and you're not really getting going till seven or eight. But I still had like 
10,000 people come because I was the local guy. And everyone at Big Valley says, that is the most full we've ever seen a crowd at one in the afternoon. Well, now I realize, well, holy shit. Okay, that was a really cool turning point. But then again, it was the record deal. When I signed a Warner Music when I was 22, that was like making it to the NHL. You know, I did, I've been playing junior for so long. Was a guy coming out of the junior, the junior league that everybody saw had a lot of potential. But how could he play if he made it to the NHL? And then we set a record in 2013 with the most ever nominations at the Canadian Country Music Awards with eight. I only ended up winning one award, but, you know, like Paul Brandt and Gord Bamford and Johnny Reed and, and a bunch of great Canadians, uh, Terry Clark, Shania Twain, were nominated that year. And this kid from Flat Lake Alberta's got eight. Everyone across Canada at that moment were like, okay, who the hell is this guy? And we got to figure this out. And we needed to figure it out as a team to really harness that momentum and not waste it, you know? Now you're, and so I think it's, I think you grew your own following, I think, because of your passion. You're a guy, and I've got a follow up question to this after the fact, which will segue us into hockey, but you're a guy who prides himself off of live performance, are you not? 100%. That's my favorite. So you're a guy who brings a lot of passion and energy and stage presence. So if you're to compare that, to a current roster oiler, who would you compare that to? And I know it's putting you on the spot, but you probably have an answer. Well, there's no way I could say this and not sound super conceited. And so please forgive me because a lot of people are going to be listening and are literally, like I bet you people are going to roll their eyes, but I'm, I'm going to say this. The way that Connor eats, sleeps, and breathes hockey, the way that he loves getting on the ice and can turn it on just like that is something that I identify with in my own arena, which is the stage and country music that if given the opportunity, I don't just want to coast. I don't just want to phone it in. And I believe that as an athlete, he never does. And I know that for me as an artist, I can go to my grave saying never once in my career, have I ever phoned it in and given anything less, then my like my absolute all on stage, whether it's to ten people, ten thousand, or a hundred thousand people at Canada Day on Parliament Hill, I just try to go out there and give everything that I possibly can and try to make a difference to everybody who's watching. And so am I the Connor McDavid of country music? No. Like absolutely not. Connor McDavid is the greatest athlete walking on the face of the planet right now. And, I, and I'll or fight, argue that to anybody. I think he's better than Ronaldo. I think he's better than Floyd Money Mayweather. I think he's better than Rory McIlroy. I think he's, he's better than LeBron James. Connor is dominating his sport more than anybody else is dominating their sport. That's what I believe. And I'm not dominating country music because I'm not as big as Thomas Rhett. I'm not as big as George Strait will ever be. But I'm just saying that I believe his passion for hockey is equal to my passion for live entertainment. So that's that that that's all I'll say. And I really hope that I didn't come across as a as a conceited cocky asshole because that was not my intention. Absolutely not. That was a tremendous answer. It was it it, it blew my expectations. 
I would even, I would also double down on that and say, if you didn't have that belief in yourself, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I hope that I get the opportunity to also kind of really graduate. Graduate's not the, not the right word, but to really bring my brand of country music stateside, which is exactly what we had lined up this year. I had shows with Garth Brooks. I was going to go on tour with Eric Church this year. We, we had like 80 dates in America. Like this was going to be my big coming out breakout year in America, as opposed to just doing 20, 30 shows a year, maybe 15 shows and developing a bit of a grassroots following. We had the deal, the money, the plan. We were going for it. It didn't work out, but we're ready to go for 2021. So I think I'll have a shot to be at the CMAs or the ACMs, you know, in a, you know, within the five-year plan, I think you guys are going to see me in Vegas and California and stagecoach and stuff like that. It's going to happen. And you know what fucking pumps me up about that? Sorry, Tyler. Is that you're going to do that being true to your fucking brand. And I'm sorry for swearing, but I'm passionate about this. Being a kid from Alberta, repping the Oilers and not changing who you are. And you're going to go spread that message for us, which is what it's all about. Well, could you imagine you guys getting on on Twitter or commenting on one of my posts on Instagram, if I'm like, hey, y'all, just want to let you know how excited I am my new single dropped today. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, everyone from Alberta just puts on an accent. And I'm like, no, I'm Oilers through and through. Don't worry. You were, you're talking about your passion for live performance. You said, like McDavid, you like to just flip that switch and always give it your all. What's on sort of like your pre-show checklist? I don't know if you're a superstitious guy or anything, but is there like steps or things you do to get yourself psyched and sort of in that mode? Yeah, there are. You know what? And I think I take a page out of the you know athlete's book uh, a little bit. Um, there's a whole bunch of little things that I do that just make my day better. And, um, you know, from I always uh, I always wear a pair of funky socks that represent the day. So, for example, if I've got a big show um, and I could be in Toronto, but I know that the Oilers are playing the Leafs, I will wear Oilers socks. If I if I'm Back. really excited that this is um, a big money date for me, something I'm really proud of, and I know that you know this one show is something I've been looking forward to all my career, and it's the biggest payday of my life. I've got socks that have dollar signs on them. Or yeah. opposite, I know I'm doing a big charity event. And I know that it's not about the money, but I know that I'm going to raise a lot of money and that's what I want to manifest. I'm going to wear money socks. Um, yeah. You step on stage. You step on stage. Are you going up there 100% sober or are you having a couple to loosen you up? Uh, back in the day, I'd have a good shot of whiskey. Absolutely. Now, nowadays, open up pipe. I do, you know, it, it's supposed to, like, I thought to myself, if Johnny Cash can pound a half a bottle of whiskey, before he goes on stage, so can I. But I'm I'm a hundred I'm five foot six, hundred and fifty five pounds. Like I I can't do that shit and I save a nice whiskey <laughs> vodka for after uh for, for after the show. But I've got my tour manager whom whom I adore and he really pumps me up. It's uh, it's almost a bit of a football kind of thing where we're kinda of like, you know, forehead to forehead and he's gonna be like, Hey, you know, you go out and, and give it your all um, you know, Johnny's on your Johnny's on your shoulder, kid. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's it's a fist 
you know, like it's, it's a raw, raw, raw kind of thing. And then I just go out and, and try my very best to entertain. So I'm, so I'm really grateful for what, wh- all what whiskey is on your rider. What's your, what's your whiskey of choice? Uh, it's always JP Weiser's. So I've got a really great whiskey collection. Um, JP Weiser's is the oldest distillery in Canada uh, from 1857. And I've been to their distillery in, in Windsor, Ontario a number of times. And I absolutely love, love the brand. Um, I've got some really good stuff here. Uh, the Premier gave me that bottle. It's a United Rye with Weiser's 35. Um, I'm not sure oh. if you can see it. But, um, oh, yeah, I've got a, a bunch. And then also my wife and I, we just uh, we just joined forces with uh, a really good guy out of uh, out of Saskatchewan, um, and he makes incredible vodka. And so as I've kind of gotten into the vodka game, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're launching a we're launching a vodka um, later this year that I'm really excited about too. What's it going to be called? Uh, I can't tell you just yet. Uh, tell you. All we, right. Until I get, uh, well, I mean, no, I, I probably could because I know the trademark is uh, the trademark is ready. But uh, I'll have to do a. No, no, don't spoil it. Don't spoil it, with you guys. Yeah, we'll, oh, absolutely. We'll have you on again when the vodka launches. Um, any, I'll, I'll pass it around the table one more time here. Any more country music questions, guys, or do you want to dig into the Oilers now? I got, like, I got one that kind of blends music and Oilers. All right. You know, as an, as an Alberta boy, grew up with the Oilers. I did a sweep of your Twitter today. You love tweeting about the Oilers. Oh, yeah. My question is, one of my personal favorite videos that's come out over the last couple of years is when you were at Jordan Eberle's wedding, up on stage with the boys doing Wagon Wheel. Everybody's having a great time. Everybody's singing, and it just reminds me of every wedding I've ever gone to with my boys. Yeah. How surreal is it for an Alberta boy to be growing up, country star, now all of a sudden you're going to these weddings and you're hanging out with the boys? It has to be a surreal, surreal moment for you, right? You know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I can't take anything away from that because, of course, it's really cool, but I don't see these guys as, as the giant superstars. I'm very aware like I said, McDavid is an extraordinary athlete, and and Nuge has this incredibly heavy, perfectly placed wrist shot, and and I jump <laughs> out of my seat when when Drysital scores again. Like you know what I mean? Like don't get me wrong, I love these guys and what they contribute to on the ice. But as they become as they become friends, and and we can you know from time to time hang out socially or whatever, or they can come out to a show. That's really cool. Where I would have a pinch me moment is if I got a chance to actually hang out with the legends. So what I mean by that is these guys are friends who play hockey. Whereas when I had a chance to spend some time with Gretzky, that was like an OMFG moment where Janet and Cecilia, my wife, were just visiting and talking about kids and life in, life in California and drinking wine and having a good time. And Gretzky and I are talking about golf and he just dropped DJ's name and this, 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 I'm like, now this is really cool. This is something where you get back in the vehicle and my wife is so good about it. I'm like, can you believe that happened? And she's like, yeah, uh, Janet's really nice. I'm like, we're talking about Justin Johnson and, and everything like that. And, and I have to really calm my center. Or when you're talking with a guy like Bobby Orr, which I've, he's been so nice to me over the years. Anytime I've been out in, London, Ontario, or we've been at events together. That shit is really cool to me. These are the legends that I never thought I'd ever get a chance to meet, let alone spend time with. Whereas, you know, the the stars of today, 
like Ebbs, Ebbs is one of my best friends. And I talk, I never talk hockey with him, rarely talk hockey. We talk about golf, but now we talk about our kids. That's, that's kind of it. Would it be fair to say then that maybe there's some moments you've been a part of that, that feel almost more like pinch me? Like when you got to sing the anthem in 2017, like how cool of an experience was that? Like were you standing in the tunnel before, like looking out being like, holy shit, I'm about to be on the ice before a playoff game? Oh, absolutely. And I love giving everybody fist bumps, you know, as, as they're going and, and a bunch of guys. Like in, in that cup run, I got to know Pat Maroon really well. And he'd always go, let's go kiss. And, and he'd give me like a big old freaking bear hug. Because I'm <laughs> foot five on skates. And I, I'm still only five foot six. You know what I mean? And so that, that was a lot of fun. And, um, and uh, a real cool moment is after the, the mic failed, legitimately, the first two people I saw coming back down the tunnel and they were coming out of the chairman's club was Wayne Gretzky and Dave Semenko. And uh, uh, Semenko and I had known each other for a long, long time. And uh, we're both sponsored by Driving Force at the time. And, and uh, he, uh, you know, gives me knuckles. And he's like, you know, great job, Kiss. And, and what Wayne said to me is he says, huh, says, isn't it funny how the anthem you don't sing is the one that people like the most? Maybe you should not sing more often. And they just walked away. <laughs> and I'm like, that was a really cool moment. <laughs> well, I, I think I think Brett, we would be remiss. Like we've been teasing this interview for a while now, because um, we were all excited. Everybody was pumped that we were going to have you on. Talking about the anthem, there is a segment of the internet that is out there that believes that the mic didn't fail. That it was kind of like a wrestling moment. Can you please squash the rumors? Tell us the real story of what went down. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, there are 19,000 people at Rogers Place knows that that it's not a publicity stunt. And, and excuse my language, but you never, ever fuck with the anthem. Don't do that. Don't do that in America. Don't do that in Canada. Don't do that in any country ever. And so I, I wanted nothing more than to go out and sing and, and do my rendition of the American anthem. And everybody knows that that the, that the mic did not work now in, in the sound system in Rogers. So it worked because the same mic has a transmitter that goes to, uh, goes to the Sportsnet feed, the Rogers feed. So that's why it was working on TV and everybody's like, well, it's working on TV. Why is it not working in, uh, you know, in, in Rogers? But yeah, you know, a lot of people talk about that, but I've got 19,000 people that were in there that can vouch that there were technical glitches the entire opening. And even during that anthem, the big screen was black. Like there were, there were bugs in the system and it is, it is what it is. And, and I now just laugh at anybody who wants to try to get under my skin. And there's a few other country artists that, that while it was happening, was like, I see through this bullshit, oh. uh, but that's fine. They, they cheer for the Canucks or the flames. And of course, yeah. gonna do that. <clears throat> I'm one of the 19,000. And I'm here to defend you to the death. That was by far one of the greatest sporting experiences of our <laughs> life, of my life. And the fact that also, once again, being a passionate Edmontonian, that put Edmonton on the map as well. That was being spread worldwide. That was so cool. It, it was really cool. Like, you know, CNN had it on the ticker and then was showing that footage. It was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And it, and it was a great moment for Edmonton. It was a great moment for Canada had nothing to do with me. I didn't even sing it. I just waved my fingers. That's it. And just tried to conduct and tried not to hit the ditch and look like an idiot. 
And Edmonton decided, we're going to sing another country's anthem and bail out this poor anthem singer. Like, it was, it was all thanks to you guys. I had nothing to do with it. Well, I'll tell you, we, we posted it on the site very quickly after it happened, and that thing erupted. So, like, when it went everywhere, it went everywhere. Oh, it really did. TMZ, I love that uh, uh, the owner of the Anaheim Ducks uh, said, you know, congratulations, you know, and thank you to the fans of Edmonton. And another really cool personal story is that was on the night of May 1st. And as soon as the game was over, um, I went home. To, uh, to the house that we've got here uh, near the city. And my wife went into labor that night. And just after midnight, our daughter was born. Wow. And so on the front page of the paper on, on May 2nd, the day that she was born, her dad was on the front page of the Sun and the Journal. So we kept that and I put it in their little baby box. Cool. So cool. Man, that is <clears throat> unreal. Uh, Going back, like, obviously an Oilers fan for your whole life, uh, a question we floated around on the podcast, like, six-ish weeks ago, was what were people's first ever Oilers memory? Is there one that jumps to your mind when you think of that first moment of being an Oilers fan for you? Yeah, there there was a, there was a game, um, the first Oilers game that I ever saw was against the Philadelphia Flyers. And um, I remember uh, Ryan Smith got a hat trick that night, and Pat Palloon ended up scoring in in overtime and we were up in the 300 section and i uh i made a i made a bet with some random guy beside me i don't know how old i was maybe five six or seven and i made a bet with the guy that you know this kid you know it's with my dad but said kid who's gonna score in overtime and i said it's gonna be pat balloon and uh and i just did it because i thought that was a funny name and uh, <laughs> and he ended up scoring so he gave me a five dollar bill and uh, and I just I thought it was so cool and I've been to so many Oilers games, uh, but that was a great memory. My favorite Oilers memory, though, and I, I think I did it on the big screen when they were closing down Rexall Place, was my brother and I got last minute tickets um, to go watch a game against the Dallas Stars where Patrick Steffen missed the empty net. Oh. And I remember oh, my wow. brother and I jumping up and down when um, Ryan Smith protected it along the boards and he got it to Hemsky who beat Marty Turco for uh you know for the game time goal with 0.2 seconds and Peter Laborius had such a great call do you believe what we just saw and then Ray Ferraro was mad doing color like Patrick Stefan you should be ashamed that does not belong in the National Hockey League and I guess I I like poor Patrick Stefan like that is still to this day the biggest blooper of all time in hockey history yeah, Ray Ferraro yeah, yeah. probably had plans after the game, and he was just pissed it was going to OT. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Looking at tomorrow, Brett, tomorrow's another major moment in his, in Oilers history. Tomorrow marks the fifth anniversary of the Connor McDavid draft. Obviously, for Oilers fans, it changed the course of the franchise forever. Um, I just, I'm curious, do you remember where you were at on McDavid draft day? We had a big shaker at the Pint downtown. The place was packed. We were with Oilers fans. I'm curious if you remember where you were at. No, to be honest, I, I don't remember where, where I was at, probably doing a, a gig somewhere. But I do remember having uh, a really good heated text exchange with a few of my friends who live in Buffalo. <laughs> and all were they ever had. And I just kept sending them pictures of Jack Eichel and, and you know, get ready, you know, and like basically consolation prizes. It, nobody... Nobody ever wants to win a silver medal because you don't win a silver, you actually lose a gold. 
And so I, I, I was <laughs> so excited when, when Connor came and I, he gave, he delivered a really great opening speech. It might've been at, at the Iron and Frost Gala or something like that in his first year here or in the summer. And he, and he said something along the lines of, I'm so excited to be in Edmonton and I'm so grateful that you rolled out the red carpet for me and you've already named a road called Connor's Road for me. <laughs> and I thought, what a really cool way to endear yourself to the local community. You know, it's like he's, uh, he's a hell of a guy. I want to jump back a little. You were talking about Ray Ferraro ripping on Patrick Stefan, and that reminded me, you yourself have a have quite the career as a color commentator. Uh, how do those how did those two opportunities kind of come up? And I mean, you know this, you're quite the good luck charm for the team as well. Well, completely random, like so so random. Is I, it though? Of course, it 100. <laughs> percent I um I, I I'm I'm pals with everybody, but. Uh, with within Sportsnet and stuff like that, and being a guy who lives in Nashville but cheers for the Oilers, I always get a suite for the game, and I always have family that fly down, and it's just a big thing that we do every year when the Preds play. Uh, Oilers play the Preds. Well, when Gene Principe knew that I was going to be there, he said, "Hey, why don't you just come for the opening? No problem, perfect." So that was it. That was all I was going to do with the opening. And then, as uh, as I'm doing the opening. Uh, Jack Michael sent me a text that says, "Hey, why don't you uh, why don't you come up to the booth uh, and uh, we'll do something uh, in between the first and second period?" Sure, no problem. So that was for six thirty. Ched, completely different. Ched is completely different from Sportsnet. Well, the booth is side by side to where Louis DeBrusque and Kevin Quinn are. So I'm standing there, and uh, Louis literally handed me a text set. He's like, "Hey, uh, do you want to do color?" I'm like. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> Let me do color. And then every time there was a stoppage in play, I'm like, hey, look, I've been talking for too long. I'll uh, I'll give you back. Like, no, 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 you're doing great. You're doing great. Okay. And then Kevin Quinn kept asking questions about relating country music to hockey. And I'm, and then he's like, hey, do you want to do you want to take this goal? I'm like, sure, I'll take the Yamamoto goal. And so it was like that. And then before I know it, I'm trending on Twitter, and the president of my record label and my marketing manager is like. Whatever you do, don't read Twitter. Everybody's mad at you. I'm like, hey, it's not my fault. Like, and then, so that that was that. But I mean, it was an amazing game. I mean, we we got a touchdown and a two point conversion against the Preds. And I mean, as an artist, I loved all the promo, but I loved getting a chance to talk hockey. And you know, a lot of people were mad on Twitter, but I don't know. The hell with it. I don't care. Well, uh, I also I, loved this because on March 3rd, you tweeted out, December 31st, I was featured on Sportsnet for an Oilers game. Oilers get seven goals. Last night, I was featured on Sportsnet again. Eight goals for the Oilers, two games, 15 goals. I don't know what to think of this. I know what I think about it is that you need yeah. to be on every broadcast, every single one from here on out. Well, when we get going in the summer again, you need to be right ya. there. We need you. I don't care what role the Oilers want to give me. Um, for like, even if it means like, I'm like, I, I literally don't know. And I, and I don't care. I just want to, I just want to do whatever I can to add, add good luck or vibe for the Oilers. And maybe just maybe Ken Holland and Bob Nicholson are going to say, Hey, we've decided that the way you can be a great good luck charm is for you to stay in your basement and watch the game and don't set foot anywhere near, near the ring. Hey man, if that's what you need from me, count me in like whatever it'll take for the Oilers to win a cup. I'm superstitious in that way. I'm, I'm going to do it. 
Well, another thing that I loved is that every year on April Fool's Day, we always release a joke, just like a playful joke on the nation. And this year, because of how mad people got on Twitter about you doing color, we announced that you had been named a broadcast partner of Sportsnet. And people were mad, as they always are with us. But my favorite thing is we didn't tell you that we were doing this, but you steered right into the storm by by retweeting and being like, can't believe you guys didn't know this was coming or something like that. It was the best. I love that. I love Twitter for that reason. It was so much fun, man. Me too. And, and to be honest, Twitter is actually so negative. And I just get some news and I and I leave because everybody gets so mad on Twitter. Like, you, you'll never get a compliment on Twitter. If you do something bad, everybody's going to talk about it. That being said, what is some of your data and, like, analytics on a on a post like that? Because to me, like, that that that's hilarious. And I and I loved it. And when I read that, I'm like, oh, this is good. Like these guys, these guys are really like poking a bee's nest. <laughs> well, that's part of the fun, right? I mean, like yeah. I can pull you up some actual numbers from how we did, but I can tell you it was in the tens and tens of thousands of people read that article. And then you can get the comments on Facebook or on Twitter and everybody's like, what the fuck, man? Like what's going on? And then it kind of clicks what happens. It's the best. Yeah. So when you steered into it, I loved it. Oh yeah, I'm 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 all for for funny things like that. Oh yeah. Well, the fact you leaned into it was just great. It just kind of shows the type of person you are. You just want to have fun, and I thought that was great that you did it. Some people wouldn't get it like you did, and uh, we thank you for that. And kind of my comments earlier was uh, about uh, you know, is it a coincidence? Was leading towards is it a coincidence that the Oilers just put up touchdowns when you're in the building? Like I think the answer is no. And then that's why that was the whole antithesis for wanting us to lean in on the uh, on the broadcaster thing because we know it would troll the people that that just are pissed off about being pissed off, but it would also support the uh, you know get the Oilers to the to the holy grail by having Brett Kissel lead us there with all of his magic juju. Well, here, here's the thing: is that I don't believe I've got any type of magic spell or or spirit. <laughs> The way we're going to win win the cup is like everybody everybody knows this. If if Smith and Koskinen steal a couple games of series for us, the way that like you look at every single goalie over the last five six years has just played so so well from Bennington to Holtby to you know Matt Murray for two cups in a row for for the Penguins. Like I I truly believe, like I actually believe without a shadow of doubt that Mike Smith. And Mikko Koskinen can get it done because if you look at if you look at the I didn't know who the hell Corey Crawford was back in whatever 2000 and whatever for the Chicago Blackhawks I didn't know who Antti Niemi was and yet there you don't necessarily need a 15 million dollar goalie to win a Stanley Cup you need somebody with heart and passion and I don't know if anybody's got more heart and passion than Mike Smith like he can win a cup for us like Mike Green is going to be healthy I think come come playoff time yeah. right. Yep. Like he's got mm-hmm. great experience. He's he's done so well with Washington and and stuff like that. I, I what why not us? That that's what I hope the swagger in the room and the biggest thing from Ken Holland and Tippett is going to be to the boys. Like this is an unprecedented year. Why not us? Are you mm-hmm. going to say like whoever plays on on our third line? What why why don't you think you're better than every other third line out there? We're going to be the best third line in the playoffs. We're going to be the best fourth line in the playoffs. We're going to be the best one and two D-man. And Connor and Leon and, and Yamamoto or whoever the hell is going to be on that line, they're going to be the best first line in the playoffs. 
And if everybody plays with that type of attitude and passion now, I mean, I, I've never really played the game. I, maybe I'm talking out of my ass here, but I, I really hope that everybody has that swagger. Why not us? Why is it going to be anybody else? Of course it's going to be us. I love that, man. Oh, I love man, that I line admit, of thinking. I'm just, just all of like fist pumping. I'm just like, yeah. fuck yeah. You, you are right. And this, this season was taken away from Connor and Leon. And it, uh, in terms of it, it just being paused and stopped. And I think, you know, they everything was heading in the right trajectory. So I think especially those two, they're, they're just going to come mad. Mad with having to prove people otherwise. You know, should should Leon be the Hart Trophy winner? No, he shouldn't. Like, like these guys got chips on their shoulders. And I, yeah, you're right. Why not us? I think our team makeup is good, and we don't need the best goaltending, but we got in Mike Smith a warrior, and that's all you fucking need. And that's gonna that's gonna spill and resonate with the team and kind of lift them up. I just I I I I can't see how we can't make a good run of it this year. And I, go and. It, I agree. And I, and I, and I truly believe I always got mad when someone would say, you know, what? our goal is just to make it to the playoffs. And I always think to hell with that. Once you make it to the playoffs, your goal is to actually win the Stanley cup. If you want to just make it to the, to the first round that, that always bugged me because I looked at a team like Pittsburgh who would turn on the Jets later in the season and almost wouldn't even care about home ice advantage. We just got to the playoffs. Now the real, now the real work starts. And I actually believe it is a gigantic advantage for the Oilers to be in the play-in yeah. right now and to play against Chicago. We're going to go in. We're playing an older team. They've got experience. And, yes, Tage is very dangerous and even more dangerous than that is Patrick Kane. But you know what? We're going to go in there. And you know what? Let, let's win it. In, in Let's have it take five games and win it three to two and be battle-tested and then steamroll over everybody else. What a great thing. Everybody else is going to be playing exhibition or just shooting, going through pylons mm. and whatever drills they're going to do, and we're going to be battle-tested. This is an incredible gift, and, and, and the Oilers are going to win that, that first series against, uh, against the Blackhawks. I couldn't agree more. The, I just, you're, going to get, you're going to have your playoff legs underneath it. You're yeah. going to be exactly playoff-hearted and ready, and you're just going to like that. I feel sorry for Dallas in the next round for having to deal with this like battle-hardened team that just came out of the play-in round. And, and the biggest thing is that I believe in manifestation and, and like, like you're saying, that positive mojo and stuff like that. And I'm hoping that either collectively you guys can do your part to rally the city. And even if, like, I believe in psychology so much, I would love nothing more than for when we do play Dallas, for the Oilers to watch a bunch of clips of all the times in the 90s and early 2000s when the damn Dallas Stars would beat us in the playoffs in the first round. And they had all this talent in the no-salary cap era. And they had every superstar that money could buy. And we just tried so hard but didn't stand a chance. Well, I would hope that the Oilers or us as a, as a city can watch that and say, because of this, because of what you did to us 20 years ago, we are going to crush you. Brett, we asked, this, we asked this question to Jordan Buha, a local actor, last week. But if you had to pick one player on this year's roster, I'm going to put you on the spot a little, that could be the 2020 version of Fernando Pisani. Who could be that dark horse that just comes out of nowhere and gives us a great playoff run? Who's that one player? Who do you think it could be? Uh, you know what? I think, it, I think it could be Nuge. I think as everybody is focusing so much time and attention 
on Leon and McDavid. It really could be Nuge because Nuge also has, like, he's getting what I would call, like, the true man strength now. He's not really a kid anymore. He's a bona fide NHL superstar man, and I believe he can do great things for us. I also believe that Ethan Bear is going to go out there like a true playoff warrior and going to be blocking shots and firing howitzers, and he's going to do a great job on uh, on the blue line for us. And like we said five minutes ago, Mike Smith is going to be the guy who's going to win us the Stanley Cup, and he's going to hold it up for his kids, and he's going to have that thick flow going and a gigantic beard, and he's going to look like like your typical 80s superstar from back in the day because he's, he's an old-school goalie, too, that he's going to stop at nothing to make those saves. I love, even in the middle of the season when they're playing a team that nobody gives a flying F out, like Minnesota or Columbus or Carolina, he lets in a goal and he's mad. Like, he just shakes his head. Like, that's a warrior right there. That's the guy you want in the playoffs. Brett Kissel, I love you. <laughs> I love you. I love you, man. You're just you're. I could just run through a wall right now. You got me so. I'm so fired hyped up. up. Oh. Well, come in the summer. Anything that you guys need from me, or uh, if we can do any additional, I don't know, fun or let me contribute and let me. You know what would be cool is if you let, if you're doing a recap of the game or a recap of the series. Let me write a paragraph for you and and go back to my uh, English 30 days. Uh, and see if I can contribute and write a little half essay for, for the blog. What I would say, 30, eh? Weird flex. I'm a 33 guy myself. <laughs> you, want, you want to do a bi-weekly uh, country podcast with me? Kissel's Corner. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah. whatever. As I, what I would say, Brett, is anytime you want to write anything at all, it can be two sentences, uh, we'll post it on the site. Yeah, it can be one word. <laughs> yeah, fine. then it's just off. It'll and just you know be what? a photo in one word. Side note, I was just thinking that um, I uh, I know that uh, that they're looking to see like Rogers and Sportsnet and, and they're thinking about what they're going to do for Coach's Corner, which I hope they, they bring back and maybe change, change up the name. But I was just thinking the other day, I had an epiphany that Ron McLean is still, I think, adored across Canada. I love the guy. And, and I really hope that during that first intermission, they can have that one-two, one-two punch. And you know who I think they should give it to? This is a complete side tangent and side note, but it's Kevin Weeks. I think Kevin Weeks is a, a great analyst. He'd be great. He's a very knowledgeable guy. Um, he, he played some great games. Everybody loves him. And you know what? I think it would be a wonderful thing for the sport to see two incredible analysts be able to offer different perspectives of the game. You've got a young guy in Weeks, and then you've also got a great legend in Ron McLean. But it's those two guys offering those two unique perspectives, and I think that uh, that Kevin Weeks is uh, is an undervalued uh, analyst uh, within the, the National Hockey League in the world of sports broadcasting. Matt, Kevin Weeks is also Kevin Weeks is also not afraid to tell it like oh, it is yeah. as well. So he that'd be a great fit there. I, I agree. Like if people were saying it's going to be Brian Burke, but that's that's soon the that's. I knew it would never be Brian Burke because, well, I don't think so. And I like Brian Burke. He's been really nice to me. But it's the same thing. You're getting a, a guy from the old school, whereas you've got a guy like Kevin Weeks and Ron McLean who understand the old school, which is great for the older viewers who can still talk about that rough and tumble hockey. But then you've got a guy that is still new age. And, and also, and you know what? To be honest, Kevin Weeks would never want anyone to say this 
he's a guy who should get it because of his talent. But also, I really appreciate Canada as a very diverse nation. And I think that's a wonderful thing because Rogers Sportsnet is really big into diversity and making sure it's known around the world that they are going to be major contributors to that space. And I think that, well, you've got a guy who deserves it regardless of his background. So I just thought I'd say that. We're going to have to have you on more often and just let you riff on your takes, man, because I love the passion you give us. It's unreal. You can tell you love hockey. Oh, big time. You should get my big brother one of these days. If we got a a brother, like, I don't know if there's a brother's day kind of thing. There's always a father's day. There probably is an international sibling day. But me and my brother, we should get together. We could do it live at the point because he's got some great, some great things to say. He knows a hundred times more about hockey than I do. We'll we'll do it on April. uh, International siblings day is April 10th. So in 2021, let's book it up. Okay. I'd love that. Guys, I'm going to pass around one more time. This is definitely the longest we've gone with a guest since we had uh, Laddie Schmid on, but it's been well over an hour, but I've loved every second of it. I'll pass it around one more time, guys, if anyone has a closing question for Brett. I do. I have two quick ones. All right. So I'm going to I'm gonna tell you, I want to know your three favorite country songs of all time. I'm going to tell you mine. The Best Day of My Life by George Strait, The Beaches of Cheyenne by Garth Brooks, and It Have You by Randy Travis. What are yours? Oh, Great, great, great choices. For me, my number one is a bit of a wild card, but it's Galveston by Glenn Campbell because okay. of what it stood for. It's one of the first songs to be a number one hit with a symphony orchestra in the background. So I love that one. Number two is Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks. And then I'd probably say the, the third one right now is God and Country Music by George Strait because that one just, that just speaks to me. Those are two things that will never go out of style for people who love country music. It's God and country music by the Kings. Great choices. So second part of my question. There's a country singer out there who's very famous, and he is at the top. He's the best player on my all I don't get it team. His name is Blake Shelton. Explain it. I don't get it. <laughs> and to me, I get it 100%. Blake, is, it, it, he's all charm. Blake has great songs. If you've ever spent time with him, he is a good old boy. He is a guy who loves the craft of country music. He'll have a drink with anybody. He's not afraid to make fun of himself. He is the opposite of a quintessential artist who's all me, me, me. Blake is all you, you, you. And and I, and I love his song. As an entertainer, he is like a stand-up comedian up there who talks about the redneck way of life, the way that Jeff Foxworthy or Larry the Cable Guy did. So, of course, everybody in America loves them. And then everybody who loves country music, for the most part, who loves to wear camo and, and, and blue jeans and drink cold beer after work, which is exactly what country music is all about. It's how Blake Shelton lives his life. So, to me, I get why he's, uh, why he's a bonafide superstar because he's so relatable. I feel like I could do that with anybody, and you could just and you could change, you could do your best job to change my mind because that was pretty damn good being put on the spot like that. My thing about it was, I never, I, I, I listened to country my whole life. I ne- never really uh, thought, he never really blew up until he got on TV and started hosting some of those shows. And that, and then all of a sudden he's having number one hits. And I was just like, maybe he had number one hits before, but I wasn't paying enough attention. To me, I just, that was my thing. I didn't get it. Well, here's the thing is that that's a brilliant marketing move. He gets on TV because of his force of personality and NBC yeah. takes what I would assume a big risk to put Blake Shelton, who is, who is well known in the country community, but not necessarily 
in the L.A. community. But you've got Blake Shelton with Adam Levine of Maroon 5, everybody knows, CeeLo Green, who had a couple massive hits uh, at the time, and maybe Usher or Pharrell Williams, who, okay, now you need the country guy, but you would have thought that it would go to somebody at the time in their 2010 or 11, somebody bigger than Blake. Well, no, 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 no. It goes to Blake, and everybody's like, he's the guy who's the favorite on the show. So um, he's the guy who's the favorite on the show. So that's what happens when you, when you get on TV. Uh, you, your celebrity just really, really increases in a big way. Okay, I'm gonna give him. I'm gonna give him more credit than your passion for him, because my mom absolutely loves him. And every time I say, "Mom, I don't get it," she just looks at me and and me and her usually see pretty eye to eye on all things country. But just, well, you know. he's a guy who loves Alberta and loves Saskatchewan. He always comes up and he gets a big white tail in either Alberta or Saskatchewan. So he knows uh, he knows a lot about the prairie. So I'm in. That's how you Good week. All right. Well, I'm glad I asked then. See. You made a, I'm going to give his music a bit more of a chance. Perfect. Make, and, and make sure you tweet him You tweet him and say, hey, by the way, I never liked you, but then Brett Chester <laughs> said that you're great. So yeah. must, that's <laughs> the problem. I, I, I am, as, as all of my co-hosts know, I am awful on social media. So mm-hmm. that might be the first tweet I send out in <laughs> three years. I'll just say, Brett Kissel says you're great. My mom loves you. I'm going to give you another try. And I can't wait to listen to the song Galveston by Glenn Campbell. Can't believe you've never heard of it before. Yeah, you'll love it. Great. My last question for you, Brett, is, I, I mean, <clears throat> you're talking about your favorite song by, or Colin Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks. I was lucky enough to go see him at one of the shows that he did here at Rogers Place. I've never seen somebody put a command on an audience the way that he did. And all I could think of is, fuck, man, I wish I could do that kind of thing. So if you're playing a show and you're going to throw in one cover into your into a Brett Kissel show, which song are you picking? Oh, it's that one. It's called Baton Rouge because it can take a party from a 10 out of 10 to a 15 out of 10 real fast. Absolutely it can. Um, for, for me, it's more of a statement. Uh, and it's just <laughs> that of thank you. Uh, you and I love you. you and, well, I've already said I love you. You, you already did. You, you're, I've already said it, I said. You're oh, true to your God. roots. You're true to your roots. You broadcast your roots to the world. You share your love for the Oilers with the, uh, to the world. You go uh, on tour and do that. You, I listened to your interview on Spit and Chicklets, and I was fucking fist pumping the whole time because you're, you're doing good for all of us uh, with how you represent where you're from. So I just want to send you like a heartfelt thank you, and we are so lucky to have you in – in, in, in Oilers Nation, you know, in in, in Northern Alberta. Uh, we're very fortunate because you're leading the way and helping, you know, give us a name in the world. That's very kind of you to say. means a lot to me. That was uh, that was like a $100 compliment. I feel like I need to send you a e-transfer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try a bottle of your vodka. Great, perfect. Don't you send you guys a case. <laughs> but, it came, but it's true. Brett, we can't thank you enough. Uh, a young phenom in the country music game. Uh, you were, I mean, playing live sold-out shows when you were 12 years old. You might not say it, but we will. You're the Connor McDavid of country music, and we can't thank you enough for your time today. Uh, thank you, guys. That, that means a lot, and I can't wait to do this again. Go Oilers. We're going to win the Cup. Hell yeah. Nice to meet you, man. See you, guys. Thanks a lot. See ya. Bye. Was that the best interview any of you guys have Holy ever done? Holy shit. That was I, amazing. I, I, I know we're an Oilers, we're an Oilers Nation podcast. 
I'm glad I got to talk country with him. I hope people all got their fill of the other stuff. But man, I straight up could talk country music with a guy like him for so long because we have, I guarantee we have a Saturday night, a couple beers and then a couple whiskeys and just sing into the top of our lungs the songs that we listened to as a kid. I fucking love that. He's also an hour and 20 minutes and that went by in like yeah. one second. He's I'm grateful that I got man. to spend, uh, sorry, Tyler. I'm grateful I got to spend an hour tarps off with Brett Kissel. Oh. Yeah. I was going to do it, but I didn't want to look like a poet. Like I was like, you, uh, you guys. You're very nip. I appreciate that. No, I'm, uh, I'm I very don't timid, Chalmers. You have to yeah. pay for the dip on his OnlyFans page. <laughs> That's right. Subscribe uh, to OnlyFans. Oh, yeah. Names I have for the podcast. Brett Kissel, I love you. The Connor McDavid of country music or tarps optional with Brett Kissel. Those are the three ideas I'm willing to pitch forward right now. But that was like... Uh, tarps at, off with Brett Kissel. Uh, during every <laughs> podcast, I'm always making notes about what I want to make into like social media clips. And usually every show, I get like two or three. I have a notepad here of like 15 things. Because every time he'd answer a question, I'd be like, oh damn, that'd be a really good clip to post. Oh, damn, that'd be a really good clip to post. Like, I don't know how I'm going to narrow it down to, like, three well, or four here. Well, you like, got your work like, cut out for yeah. you this week. Yeah, just do it by saying, honestly, there's so many good clips to post, you literally have to listen to the whole hour and 20 minutes. I'm going to not post true. one, and yeah. And it was never it was never dull. I appreciate that. He's an easy dude. Oh. He's an easy dude to talk to, man. I got to Well, and, and he talks with energy, right? Like, yeah. it's, How about the just, passion? Yeah, you could, you, you could give him a close-ended question, and you're going to get a passionate response. I'm going to get ripped by some of my friends that, and you guys should get ripped because I can't believe you didn't corner me on the last, on that podcast when I said, come on, enough, enough of having him. Like, and then I was going to make a joke somewhere when you guys were talking to others. I'm like, I don't know what we've talked. I don't know which has been longer, the amount of orders we've talked in this segment or the amount of time you got on Rogers that one <laughs> game. Cause, <laughs> cause I was, I, that next day, I remember I was kind of a little food about it all, but I remember. Yeah. Yeah, I remember too. <laughs> so you guys dropped a real ball and opportunity to not get me on well, that shit. You know what? He gave us some backstory. So yeah, I know just I like know, he turned your of... opinion on Blake Shelton, you know, he, he, I hopefully spun some opinions on uh, that instance because Well, I it hope was... he took some of the ammo out of those people's guns because the fact yeah. of the matter is, is as much as I, like, yeah, he was getting kept there. And as much as I just wanted to, you know, I, I, I was more of a hater that day. I think I look and I, I fancy myself as having a pretty good country voice, and I wish I could be a country star. And he is a country star. And I think I was just uh, I was drinking the haterade that day when I was getting mad about how long, how much airtime he was getting. Yeah, that that was honestly a great interview. Uh, we've gone like well uh, close to ninety minutes now. Um, so unless anyone has any closing closing thoughts, I think I'm going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Tyler. Uh, I saw when I took my shirt off that you gave me a fist pump, so I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, shirtless bag milk will always get a fist bump from me. Thank you. I would like to thank Tyler for always having the exact same reaction as me to when Jr. walks into a place and <laughs> has, has still not figured out how to mute his mic when he's not talking and walking through the little brick cafe with the music pumping or putting up this putting up his seatbelt and his door closing. So I, I, I'm not to kind of your own Chuck for always thinking exactly what I'm thinking and uh, <laughs> giving me the same face. You feel my pain as the producer. Cause we're sitting there and Brett Kissel's like oh, buddy, deep in just... an answer. And Jay's like throwing his phone onto his car seat and it's like ruffling and the winds going and shit. Like there's three, but he got to see the there's... nation truck. He, he was did. like, Whoa. Yeah. 
I understand that, but it's about the, remember the listeners out there. They're going to be sitting there getting so distracted. They're not even going to be able to hear. There's, there's the end button. There's the gallery button and the mute button. Learn how to use well, them. Yeah, I know. Well, that was uh, that was a slippery. Uh, I was I was nervous because we had Brett Kissel on, and I was flustered because <laughs> I was supposed to be in my office at that time, and I was rushing. There was a lot going on, and I do apologize. But that's part of the charm of real life. This is pandemic FaceTime podcasting at its finest. If you're enjoying, if you're enjoying our entertainment themed guest Jordan Buhat, Brett Kissel, we got another one coming next week, and here's how I'm going to tease it from the genre of metal music. I think that'd be the right way to describe him, right? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, we're going country to metal. Country oh, to yeah. Metal next week on the Real Life Podcast. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, thanks for tuning into this one. It was a long episode of, of the Real Life Pod, but I can say this. It was definitely one of my favorites, if not the best one we've recorded. Guys, thanks for giving me an hour and a half of your time. And a big shout-out to Brett Kissel as well. Love you, Jake. Great Love you job guys. on making Love it through guys. the Thank entire you. hour of the Real Life Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.